You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. There are a lot of conversations going on across the various social media platforms, and let's be honest, you don't give a hoot about 99% of them and neither do I. But if you're in the business of marketing and understanding how customers view your brand and your product is important to you, and it should be, having the ability to understand those conversations is very important. I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. In this episode of B2B Nation, we talk to Todd Grossman, CEO of TalkWalker Americas, about social media. TalkWalker provides advanced analytics and sentiment analysis for brands that want to know what type of conversations people are having about them on social media, whether those conversations are positive or negative, who's having them, and more. This used to be called social media monitoring, then it was social media listening. Today, with the use of artificial intelligence and with social media use being fragmented across a number of platforms, it's called conversational intelligence. And there's no way you could do it well without some pretty advanced technology to help you out. Todd and I are also going to talk about disinformation on social media. You may have heard about that phenomenon. Clubhouse, a little college basketball history, and more. Have a listen. Todd Grossman, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, Michael. Glad to be here. My name is Todd Grossman. I'm the CEO of Talkwalker of Americas since uh, February of 2015 when we started our U.S. entity here. And as the CEO, I'm responsible for our business growth and helping our customers. Todd and I are both Yukon Huskies. Both went to the University of Connecticut. Yeah, those Yukon Huskies. It just so happens I used to be a um, Yukon cheerleader for the dream season. So I used to know those guys, uh, Scott Burrell, very well. That came from uh, Hamden, not too far from Trumbull, where you have a lot of uh, experience at. And uh, he used to throw a 90 mile per hour fastball. And he was the first athlete in Connecticut that was recruited first round by two professional sports, one by the Seattle Mariners, MLB, uh, Major League Baseball, and then uh, the NBA. And I believe he started with um, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. So a little bit of nice history there. And Gino Ariema, I remember his first couple of years when he first started when I was there. I'm dating myself a little bit, but it was pretty cool. (laughs) Anybody who went to UConn or grew up in Connecticut during that late 80s to mid 90s time period probably has a Scott Burrell story because he did so many things that did not seem humanly possible until you saw them do it. The shot to Tim George <laughs> down by 18 points with Clemson and they came back to win it at the buzzer. And then the next That's game, right. they lost to Duke with Christian Leitner throwing in that humdinger. That's right. If you if you are not aware of the shot, go to YouTube. I'm sure it's there. Tate George, Clemson at the buzzer. It's um, late. It's great. It's Tate. That's right. The Hartford Current headline. I wow. We've been reading the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the space where TalkWalker operates, this is like I remember it was called social media monitoring. I remember yeah. it was called social media listening. Now we see the term conversational intelligence. So how has this area evolved and how has your company and its products evolved with it? Yeah. So when we first started um, TalkWalker, um, we were really in the data aggregating business and we were crawling blogs um, specifically in Europe um, just nearly 13 years ago. And then from from crawling those blogs, it, it then we started getting um, Twitter feed, Facebook feed, 
and other um, APIs that we were able to um, basically monitor. And it became more of a term uh, social uh, media listening or social data intelligence. And we were uh, doing social listening and we were also doing analytics and being able to provide um, different uh, uh, demographic data, influencer data, sentiment data uh, in, in the platform that we had. And then uh, most recently, it's just evolved with all the platforms going out there, all the review pages going out there, uh, the new term out there and the business that we're really in now is we're in the business of conversational intelligence. And you'll be hearing that term more and more where we offer a unified platform for social trends and voice of the customer. And clearly brands, uh, whether it's B2B or B2C, want to uh, understand this insight from the voice of their customers and drive revenue by activating on this type of insight. So there's a couple of things that your company did over the past few months that I thought were really interesting. I think they're good examples of the kind of intelligence that can be gathered over social media platforms. The first is Super Bowl report, which is interesting to me because I think it shows how businesses and advertising agencies, their view of the Super Bowl ad has evolved. It used to be like the most costly 60 seconds in the world. And then everybody would try and figure out what the return on investment was. Now it's it's still a really expensive 60 seconds, but you want it to live on. So being able to understand who's talking about our ad, what's the chatter about the ad? Do we like the ad? Do we not like the ad? There were a couple of misses over the last couple of years where people spent a lot of money on Super Bowl ads and the consensus was they were trouble. Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about that. So it has definitely evolved. Um, even pre-Super Bowl, the ads are coming out, there's teasers, there's stories, there's gamification involved in, in some of these ads. And what what the advertising uh, industry has done is that they, they really want people to get more value for the, the work and for their brands when they're they're paying these, these dollars. So uh, there were 60 plus ads in this year's Super Bowl. And uh, basically, they're, they're stories that have uh, tangible benefits. They, they, they live on. For example, Hard Rock's Miami themed ad um, was paired um, with a halftime show, and people were still talking about it uh, this, this time last, last year. Um, and even though the global pandemic consumed such a huge chunk of the conversation just in general, there was hard rock again. And uh, they got a lot of bang, I would say, for their buck. And what's happening is that there's there's a whole universe out there. It's not just your listeners watching or viewers watching the, the, the game on uh, the internet through uh, YouTube or through um, the television, the traditional way. They're, they're able to see these ads in uh, other areas within social media and platforms, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, uh, to name a few. So we've seen some really nice things. And I, I still think there's tremendous value in being strategic in terms of uh, placing these ads. And you're able to get really good data analytics. You can overlay uh, Google Analytics data with Facebook Insights data and all this now with, with all the ads. So what kind of reporting does your company provide? If I were an ad agency and I'm working with a client who ran ran during the Super Bowl, what can I use your platform? What is it going to tell me that either I, I couldn't understand or in order to get it, it would have taken a lot of work? 
Well, because of our AI technology, we're able to do image recognition as well. So we're able to capture uh, logos within an ad or objects or scenery or how the ads were being, uh, products are being used. So we're able to determine uh, the buzz. We're, we're, we're not in the business of just providing vanity metrics. Oh, you got 5.8 million uh, viewerships on this, but who were those people? What was the sentiment? What were the themes of discussion around this? What were their um, language being used after they saw the ad for um, purchase intent for this? Uh, what did they like about the ad or what did they not like about the ad? Um, what was the occupation group of the people that were talking about this ad more than, than others? Or geographic location, what part of the country or world uh, who was talking about this ad? We, we saw that uh, some of these ads had a lot of really good pickup in Europe, uh, in London in particular. There's a, a really good uh, NFL uh, base there that really likes to uh, watch television. So uh, an advertiser can, can realize that, oh yeah, the London audience as well. And we may wanna tailor towards uh, the British folks uh, for certain things and put some British humor in there, let's say. So one of the one of the other things that your company did that I found really interesting over the past few months was a healthcare and pharmaceutical report. And I thought this is hugely important because it talks about one of the biggest problems. Maybe it doesn't directly talk about it, but it addresses one of the biggest problems with social media, which is disinformation and how quickly it can spread. And when you talk about healthcare and pharmaceuticals over the past year, this is an area where the spread of disinformation really can impact us all. I know in Connecticut, where I am, they're actually using disinformation in online ad creative, dispelling myths about the COVID-19 vaccines. For instance, I've seen an ad that says a rumor polyethylene glycol is an ingredient in antifreeze and it's in the vaccines. And the, the truth is, as the ad goes on to tell you, it is in the vaccines. It is not in antifreeze. So tell us a little bit about that report and, and what you guys learned putting it together. Yeah, it's, it's really scary with uh, the disinformation uh, going out there and the quote unquote fake news. So TalkWalker periodically looks at different industries and issue reports around online conversations. And for some of our clients, they're embarking on what could be considered the campaign of a lifetime, uh, campaign for history, the goal of being able to get the world indeed vaccinated uh, to convince those uh, holdouts, so to say, or anti-vaxxers. And TalkWalker provides um, the analytic tools. They need to understand the conversations, the reservations, especially in what you said, the disinformation tactics out there. And this report in particular just shows a glimpse of what these companies are looking for as they're trying to make this vaccine campaign a success. And we learned that anger is the most driving emotion behind negative sentiment for vaccine authorizations, for example. And it takes this report takes a look at the effectiveness of influencers in building confidence around the vaccine. We also saw that emotionally, and this was interesting, Gen Z has the highest shares of fear and sadness and the lowest shares of joy and love among the four generational groups. And the report can help anyone get a perspective on how the vaccine rollout and the marketing strategies for the vaccine are affecting the pharmaceutical industry. And it also shows, lastly, um, shows the knock-on knock and secondary effects in a few other industries like travel uh, that are just as eager as anyone else to see the vaccine campaigns be successful. Speaking of uh, the disinformation, I, th I think we all know people who have dropped the use of social media or they've scaled it back considerably some high profile personalities have left certain platforms, some voluntarily, some as we know, not 
voluntarily. Where do you think it's going? And, and do you think any brands would be bold enough to do it with the disinformation and the kind of, you know, there's always been this thing on the internet, right? With the anonymity, people will say things over social media, they would not say to you in person. They would not say over email if you're name or on your email. What, what do you think about the future of social media? So I believe we're actually seeing it's fracturing um, these, the social media ecosystem. As recently as five years ago, we're talking about just three or four platforms, your Facebook, Twitter, um, and uh, Instagram, for example. Today, we're talking about three or four types of social media with social audio um, being the, the big new one. And I don't think we'll see brands abandon social media completely or forever. Something um, that we predicted in a 2019 that social media users are scattering, fracturing, and finding it, finding quieter communities more tailored to their niches. And, and that's to deliver better value and more useful content than traditional social platforms. And on the branding side, we're seeing is that the brands um, have to um, follow um, in, in terms of what's happening there. And it's it's tough for a brand marketer these days with all the different audiences and uh, experimentation that they have to do in this day of age. That fracturing is interesting because there are so many, especially for B2C brands, there are so many social networks to cover. That's where tools like yours and tools that automate posting, if you had to do it all manually, it would it would be a huge job. The seeking out quieter communities kind of reminds me a little bit of Reddit, where if you look at the really popular sections of Reddit, they have all the same problems that the big social media platforms have. But if you have hobbies or sports teams you follow and you go to that section of Reddit and you stick there, you can really build a, a sense of community. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Good example. Can you monitor Clubhouse? Not yet. <laughs> anything's possible. Um, I think from a technological standpoint, it's doable. Absolutely. Right. It's voice, and we monitor podcasts right now. Uh, we monitor more than 30,000 podcasts, largest um, amount of podcasts in the industry that we do right now. So if you're a uh, CPG company, for example, and you want to know if people are talking about your podcast or you have a technology, your Dell or Inspirian or something, we, we can get that information. So I don't see any difference. It's just a matter of getting access to the, the API to be able right. to put it into the machine to learn it yeah. and monitor it. I've been enjoying it. I think it's a really powerful um, platform. Of course, they have some growing pains going on right now, but I think it means well in terms of what it's doing. Yeah. yeah, it's another social media outlet. Yeah, it's interesting because you know LinkedIn, Facebook, they provide all of that with the video. And it's like, it's not going to be that hard for these guys to just disable the video for people who don't want to do the video part of it. And boom, you've got live audio. So um, it's hard. those are, you know, those are big established companies with a lot of money. That's going to make it really hard for Clubhouse. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll buy Clubhouse. Maybe Facebook will buy it. <laughs> So if you and I were having this conversation one year from now, other than UConn's twin NCAA tournament runs that we all expect next year, what do you think we might be talking about in the social media and conversational intelligence space? I think we'll be talking more um, how important Earth Day is, is going to be 
and we'll be focusing more on the environment, getting back to um, building the future. Um, sure, we'll still be talking about TikTok and uh, Clubhouse, but I think environment's going to be important and uh, Earth Day. I'd like to say education as well. I think um, there's been um, a bit of um, tough, it's very sad in terms of the fortunate um, that some people have been able to still go to school while others can't and there's going to be a, a, a learning curve to get back on on pace for some yeah and that, that'll be oh. that's going to be something because a lot of those conversations are happening are happening over social media and that's yes. something that you guys will be able to monitor as well because you know school has been pretty consistently in session where I am and I have two young kids who who are in school but I, you know, you see these stories in the national media about reopening schools and it's a big, it's a lot of time to miss and we're going to feel it for years. Yeah, totally. What is one tool or application that you use every day that if we took it away from you, your production would just screech to a halt and your level of difficulty here is it can't be one of your products. Yes, of course. So clearly uh, my phone is my, my phone and my Apple Watch are two of the most important things that I carry with me all the time. <laughs> it's almost like an addiction. It does so many things for me. However, there's a, an application. I don't use it every day, but I talk about it quite often, and I'll be using it later this afternoon. It's called Otter, A-I, O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. And basically, you can get live transcriptions of your audio and video um, right into um, text, which is really good. Um, we do speech to text in terms of our, our, our listening out there, but this is something that transcribes on the fly. I think there used to be a, a platform, there still is, or a service called Dragon, Dragon Dictation. Um, I think this takes it to another level, otter.ai. Uh, Todd Grossman, CEO of Talkwalker America. Thanks for joining us on B2B Nation. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Todd Grossman, CEO of Talkwalker Americas, for joining us for this episode of B2B Nation. If you found this episode interesting, share it with a friend over social media or not, and subscribe to B2B Nation on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. B2B Nation wouldn't be possible without the support of the technology advice crew of Sarah Wingate, Amy Dunn, and the brains behind this podcast operation, Emily Whalen. Here's new Monics in the Guild to see you out. Catch you next time.